Section 14 of The Life of Abraham Lincoln, Volume 2, by Ida Tarbell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 29. Lincoln's Work in the Winter of 1864-65. His Second Inauguration. Part 1. Out of the election, Lincoln got profound satisfaction. He had striven to his utmost to let the people know what he was trying to do this overwhelming vote for him coming after the dire discouragement of the summer proved that they understood him and were with him i am deeply thankful to god for this approval of the people he told a band of serenaders but there was something beside personal triumph in his reflections on the elections since the beginning of the war lincoln had repeatedly told the people that republican institutions were at stake in his first address to congress july fourth eighteen sixty one he said our popular government has often been called an experiment two points in it our people have already settled the successful establishing and the successful administering of it one still remains its successful maintenance against a formidable internal attempt to overthrow it three years of internal war had not been able to unseat the government but what would be the effect of a presidential election added to war the warmest friends of republican institutions feared that the strain would be too great it has long been a grave question said lincoln a few days after the election whether any government not too strong for the liberties of its people can be strong enough to maintain its existence in great emergencies on this point the present rebellion brought our republic to a severe test and a presidential election occurring in regular course during the rebellion added not a little to the strain if the loyal people united were put to the utmost of their strength by the rebellion must they not fail when divided and partially paralyzed by a political war among themselves but the election was a necessity we cannot have free government without elections and if the rebellion could force us to forego or postpone a national election it might fairly claim to have already conquered and ruined us but the election along with its incidental and undesirable strife has done good too it has demonstrated that a people's government can sustain a national election in the midst of a great civil war until now it has not been known to the world that this was a possibility another fact vital to mr lincoln's policy was proved by the election the north was far from exhaustion in the most important branch of national resources that of living men while it is melancholy to reflect the president said in his december address to congress that the war had filled so many graves and carried mourning to so many hearts it is some relief to know that compared with the surviving the fallen have been so few while corps and divisions and brigades and regiments have formed and fought and dwindled and gone out of existence a great majority of the men who composed them are still living the same is true of the naval service the election returns prove this so many voters could not else be found the states regularly holding elections both now and four years ago cast three million nine hundred eighty two thousand eleven votes now against three million eight hundred seventy thousand two hundred twenty two cast then showing an aggregate now of three million nine hundred eighty two thousand eleven 
to this is to be added the thirty three thousand seven hundred sixty two cast now in the new states of kansas and nevada which states did not vote in eighteen sixty thus swelling the aggregate to four million fifteen thousand seven hundred seventy three and the net increased during the three years and a half of war to one hundred forty five thousand five hundred fifty one to this again should be added the number of all soldiers in the field from massachusetts rhode island new jersey delaware indiana illinois and california who by the laws of those states could not vote away from their homes and which number cannot be less than ninety thousand nor yet is this all the number in organized territories is triple now what it was four years ago while thousands white and black join us as the national arms press back the insurgent lines so much is shown affirmatively and negatively by the election it is not material to inquire how the increase has been produced or to show that it would have been greater but for the war which is probably true the important fact remains demonstrated that we have more men now than we had when the war began that we are not exhausted nor in process of exhaustion that we are gaining strength and may if need be maintain the contest indefinitely this is to men material resources are now more complete and abundant than ever approved by the people convinced that the institutions of the country had successfully resisted the worst strain which could be given them inexhaustible resources at his command lincoln took up his task to put an end to the armed resistance to the union was the first duty this had got to be done by war not by negotiation he put it plainly to congress in december on careful consideration of all the evidence accessible it seems to me that no attempt at negotiation with the insurgent leader could result in any good he would accept nothing short of severance of the union precisely what we will not and cannot give his declarations to this effect are explicit and oft repeated he does not attempt to deceive us he affords us no excuse to deceive ourselves he cannot voluntarily reaccept the union we cannot voluntarily yield it between him and us the issue is distinct simple and inflexible it is an issue which can only be tried by war and decided by victory if we yield we are beaten if the southern people fail him he is beaten either way it would be the victory and defeat following war by this time the boundaries of the confederacy had been so narrowed their territory so divided by invading armies that it seemed to all observers that they must soon yield the mississippi was open and the territory on each side practically under federal control louisiana was under military government missouri kentucky and tennessee were so cleared of troops that they had produced fair crops three ports norfolk fernandina and pensacola were opened on december first to commercial intercourse excepting of course persons things and information contraband of war grant held lee and the bulk of the confederate army at richmond sherman who had taken atlanta in august had marched three hundred miles directly through the confederate country destroying everything as he went nobody knew just then where he would come out but it was certain he could be counted on to hold the confederate force under johnston in check 
besides the armies under lee and johnston there were other smaller forces holding positions but it was evident that if lee and johnston were defeated the surrender of these smaller forces was inevitable the confederate navy too had been destroyed by this time the task seemed short yet such was the courage the resourcefulness the audacity in attack and defense which the confederates had shown from the beginning of the war that mr lincoln was the last man in the north to relax efforts although he had an army of nearly a million men enrolled at the time of his re-election on december nineteenth he called for three hundred thousand volunteers to serve for one two or three years a week after this call sherman came out and presented the country savannah as a christmas gift the letter lincoln wrote him is worthy to be placed beside the one he wrote to grant after vicksburg executive mansion washington december twenty sixth eighteen sixty four my dear general sherman many many thanks for your christmas gift the capture of savannah when you were about leaving atlanta for the atlantic coast i was anxious if not fearful but feeling that you were the better judge and remembering that nothing risked nothing gained i did not interfere now the undertaking being a success the honor is all yours for i believe none of us went further than to acquiesce after taking the work of general thomas into the count as it should be taken it is indeed a great success not only does it afford the obvious and immediate military advantages but in showing to the world that your army could be divided putting the stronger part to an important new service and yet leaving enough to vanquish the old opposing force of the whole hood's army it brings those who sat in darkness to see a great light but what next i suppose it will be safe if i leave general grant and yourself to decide please make my grateful acknowledgments to your whole army officers and men yours very truly a lincoln although the great majority of the country agreed with mr lincoln that the issue between north and south could only be tried by war and decided by victory advocates of peace conferences still nagged the president begging that if they were allowed to go south or if commissioners from the south were allowed to come north everything could be adjusted among these peacemakers was francis p blair senior he knew the south well he believed honestly enough no doubt that mediation would be successful finally at the end of december the president gave him a pass through the lines blair saw president davis and from him received a letter saying that if blair would promise that a confederate commissioner minister or other agent would be received by president lincoln he would appoint one at once with a view to secure peace to the two countries mr lincoln answered you having shown me mr davis's letter to you of the twelfth instant you may say to him that i have constantly been am now and shall continue ready to receive any agent whom he or any other influential person now resisting the national authority may informally send to me with the view of securing peace to the people of our one common country it is evident from the letters of the two leaders that neither yielded on the essential point at issue jefferson davis recognized two countries abraham lincoln one common country 
the upshot of mr blair's mediation was that president davis sent three commissioners alexander h stevens r m t hunter and john a campbell all members of the confederate government to grant's headquarters for conference lincoln sent seward to meet the commissioners with instructions that three things were indispensable to mediation one the restoration of the national authority throughout all the states two no receding by the executive of the united states on the slavery question from the position assumed thereon in the late annual message to congress and in preceding documents three no cessation of hostility short of an end of the war and the disbanding of all forces hostile to the government before seward had met the commission lincoln decided to join him and a meeting was arranged at fortress monroe the confederate envoys being conducted to the steamer river queen where mr lincoln and mr seward were quartered the meeting of the men all of them acquaintances in earlier days was cordial and they began and ended their conference in an entirely friendly mood but from the onset it was evident that nothing would come of it there was but one way to end the war mr lincoln told them frankly and that was for those who were resisting the laws of the union to cease their resistance he would grant no armistice would in no way recognize the states so long as they were in arms he would make no promises as to reconstruction after the war had ceased until they had given him a pledge of reunion and of cessation of resistance mr hunter attempted to argue this point with him there was precedent he said for an executive entering into agreement with persons in arms against public authority charles i of england repeatedly recognized the people in arms against him in this way i do not profess to be posted in history replied mr lincoln on all such matters i will turn you over to seward all i distinctly recollect about the case of charles is that he lost his head but while lincoln held firmly to what he regarded as the essentials to peace he did not hesitate to give the commissioners some very good advice if i resided in georgia with my present sentiments mr stevens reports him as saying i'll tell you what i would do if i were in your place i would go home and get the governor of the state to call the legislature together and get them to recall all the state troops from the war elect senators and members to congress and ratify this constitutional amendment prospectively so as to take effect say in five years such a ratification would be valid in my opinion i have looked into the subject and think such a prospective ratification would be valid whatever may have been the views of your people before the war they must be convinced now that slavery is doomed it cannot last long in any event and the best course it seems to me for your public men to pursue would be to adopt such a policy as will avoid as far as possible the evils of immediate emancipation this would be my course if i were in your place and so the hampton roads conference ended without other result than a renewed confirmation of what lincoln had contended from the beginning of the agitation for peace measures that the south would never grant until defeated what he claimed as vital to any negotiation a recognition of the union it was understood by the country that mr lincoln's re-election meant not only a continuation of the war but the emancipation of the slaves by a constitutional amendment the emancipation proclamation was never intended by the president for anything but a military measure 
he had been careful to state this in delivering it and when called upon to retract it by a large body of the north because it had turned the war into a contest to free negroes he had gone to great pains to explain his view thus in a letter written in august sixty three to his political friends in illinois he said you dislike the emancipation proclamation and perhaps would have it retracted you say it is unconstitutional i think differently i think the constitution invests its commander-in-chief with the law of war in time of war the most that can be said if so much is that slaves are property is there has there ever been any question that by law of war property both of enemies and friends may be taken when needed and is it not needed whenever taking it helps us or hurts the enemy armies the world over destroy enemies property when they cannot use it and even destroy their own to keep it from the enemy civilized belligerents do all in their power to help themselves or hurt the enemy except a few things regarded as barbarous or cruel among the exceptions are the massacre of vanquished foes and non-combatants male and female but the proclamation as law either is valid or is not valid if it is not valid it needs no retraction if it is valid it cannot be retracted any more than the dead can be brought to life some of you profess to think its retraction would operate favorably for the union why better after the retraction than before the issue there was more than a year and a half of trial to suppress the rebellion before the proclamation issued the last one hundred days of which passed under an explicit notice that it was coming unless averted by those in revolt returning to their allegiance the war has certainly progressed as favorably for us since the issue of the proclamation as before i know as fully as one can know the opinions of others that some of the commanders of our armies in the field who have given us our most important successes believe the emancipation policy and the use of colored troops constitute the heaviest blow yet dealt to the rebellion and that at least one of these important successes could not have been achieved when it was but for the aid of black soldiers among the commanders holding these views are some who never had any affinity with what is called abolitionism or with republican party politics but who hold them purely as military opinions i submit these opinions as being entitled to some weight against the objections often urged that emancipation and arming the blacks are unwise as military measures and were not adopted as such in good faith you say you will not fight to free negroes some of them seem willing to fight for you but no matter fight you then exclusively to save the union i issued the proclamation on purpose to aid you in saving the union whenever you shall have conquered all resistance to the union if i shall urge you to continue fighting it will be an apt time then for you to declare you will not fight to free negroes i thought that in your struggle for the union to whatever extent the negroes should cease helping the enemy to that extent it weakened the enemy in his resistance to you do you think differently i thought that whatever negroes can be got to do as soldiers leaves just as much less for white soldiers to do in saving the union does it appear otherwise to you but negroes like other people act upon motives why should they do anything for us if we will do nothing for them 
if they stake their lives for us they must be prompted by the strongest motive even the promise of freedom and the promise being made must be kept mr lincoln believed that as soon as the war was over the proclamation would become void voters would have to decide then what slaves it freed whether only those who had under it made an effort for their freedom and had come into the union lines or all of those in the states and parts of states in rebellion at the time it was issued mr lincoln inclined to the former view but even if the latter interpretation was decided on there would still be many slaves in the country the institution if weakened would still exist it became plainer every day to him that some measure must be devised removing finally and forever the evil root from which the nation's long and sorrowful struggle had grown slavery must end with the war the only complete and irrevocable method to attain this was a constitutional amendment abolishing it forever in december eighteen sixty three an amendment of this character had been proposed in the house and in the january after a similar one in the senate the latter passed but the house failed to give the requisite two-thirds majority mr lincoln was convinced nevertheless that the people if asked directly to vote on the subject would approve the amendment and before the meeting of the republican convention in june sixty four he sent for the chairman of the national committee senator morgan of new york i want you he said to mention in your speech when you call the convention to order as its keynote and to put into the platform as the keystone the amendment of the constitution abolishing and prohibiting slavery forever it was done the third article of the platform reading resolved that as slavery was the cause and now constitutes the strength of this rebellion and as it must be always and everywhere hostile to the principles of republican government justice and the national safety demand its utter and complete extirpation from the soil of the republic and that while we uphold and maintain the acts and proclamations by which the government in its own defence has aimed a death-blow at this gigantic evil we are in favour furthermore of such an amendment to the constitution to be made by the people in conformity with its provisions as shall terminate and for ever prohibit the existence of slavery within the limits of the jurisdiction of the united states when in december sixty four lincoln addressed congress for the first time after his election he reminded them that the people in electing him had voted for an amendment prohibiting slavery although the present is the same congress which defeated the bill of december sixty three he said and nearly the same members and without questioning the wisdom or patriotism of those who stood in opposition i venture to recommend the reconstruction and passage of the measure at the present session of course the abstract question is not changed but an intervening election shows almost certainly that the next congress will pass the measure if this does not hence there is only a question of time as to when the proposed amendment will go to the states for their action and as it is to so go at all events may we not agree the sooner the better 
it is not claimed that the election has imposed a duty on members to change their views or their votes any further than as an additional element to be considered their judgment may be affected by it it is the voice of the people now for the first time heard upon the question in a great national crisis like ours unanimity of action among those seeking a common end is very desirable almost indispensable and yet no approach to such unanimity is attainable unless some deference shall be paid to the will of the majority simply because it is the will of the majority in this case the common end is the maintenance of the union and among the means to secure that end such will through the election is almost clearly declared in favor of such constitutional amendment after the bill was introduced he followed its course with greatest care working adroitly and constantly in its interests its passage on january thirty first was a genuine satisfaction to him this finishes the job he said joyfully and that night he said to a band of serenaders that he thought the measure was a very fitting if not an indispensable adjunct to the winding up of the great difficulty he wished the reunion of all the states perfected and so effected as to remove all causes of disturbance in the future and to attain this end it was necessary that the original disturbing cause should if possible be rooted out he thought all would bear him witness that he had never shrunk from doing all that he could to eradicate slavery by issuing an emancipation proclamation but that proclamation falls short of what the amendment will be when fully consummated a question might be raised whether the proclamation is legally valid it might be urged that it only aided those that came into our lines and that it was inoperative as to those who did not give themselves up or that it would have no effect upon the children of slaves born hereafter in fact it would be urged that it did not meet the evil but this amendment is a king's cure-all for all evils it winds the whole thing up he would repeat that it was the fitting if not the indispensable adjunct to the consummation of the great game we are playing he could not but congratulate all present himself the country and the whole world upon this great moral victory end of section fourteen